Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now. for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure... Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And, of course, they have Junior Bergen T-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at uh, ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. At Blackfoot Communications, we're experts at keeping your business technology up and running. From networks and security to communications and 24-7 support, we evaluate your current state infrastructure and deploy the right technology solution for your future. Whether your company is just starting out or is looking to take the next step, Blackfoot is here to help. Call 866-541-5000 or visit goblackfoot.com slash business to learn more. It's 4 o'clock. Welcome to Tutel and Nuanes, Montana's only statewide sports talk show. Broadcast on 102.9 ESPN Radio for Western Montana and across the state on SWX Television. I like football! Now, sports talk from Montana for Montana. Live from the Kurtz Polaris studio, here is Ryan Tutel and Coulter Nuanes. Hello, Montana. You always miss my great intros, Coulter. That's why I want you sitting here. This is great. Four out of five, or four and potentially five FCS leagues canceling fall sports. The NFL, are they going to figure it out? They're pushing sort of not to. And how about we have an insider from the East Coast. Tell us what's going on with James Madison. Greg Medea joins the show. Hi, boys and girls. It's Tutel and Nuanas. Yes, I'm always giving Coulter a hard time about not actually being in the chair at 4 o'clock when we got on the air because he needs just the presence, man. It makes me feel so good. <laughs> makes me feel so famous to be able to listen to you on the radio oh, out there out and then loud. walk in and be like, I'm on that show with yeah. that famous guy. Yeah, yeah. You are. And you're lucky. Uh, try, Coulter, just try being me. You have no idea what that's like. <laughs> Tommy, you are like the most independently famous person in this entire radio company. No doubt. Yeah. He <laughs> says no doubt. He's, he's famous with the fire department. He's famous with the police department. He's famous here on this show. Yeah, Tommy, uh, you missed out after you told your story about almost burning your house down. Then the entire city of Gardner right outside the Gates Yellowstone National Park burned down. And we thought maybe... 
you had a cooking incident 250 miles from here, but... I did not buy a walk near Gardner, that, uh, so that, I was not good. involved. Very sad, though. I did follow that uh, as it unfolded. Terrible. Not, not good. Two-bit saloon, 108 years old. Yeah. Bye-bye. Old wood and the whole thing, and it's... Yikes. Got, it's, it's, there's some stone still standing, and that's about it. And there's a couple... They actually tore a business down that wasn't on fire to prevent the continued spread onward. How'd you like to be that business? It's like... I guess this is the sacrifice. Yeah, it ain't good, man. You got to feel for those people because so many of those people that work down there, they only work for a couple months a year right. because yeah. it's it's mostly closed. Mm-hmm. And so uh, it's tough. It's really tough. Very tough. Uh, it's 2 Tell and the Wannis, 1029 ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television. Hi. And for the folks in Gardner, we are thinking about you. Uh, uh, we have been throughout the last week and weekend, man. It's just really, really terrible. We are happy. Thankfully, no one was hurt. Uh, as a result of uh, these fires or the fire that consumed a number of establishments there, but and, and are hopeful that uh, all the things, you know, we get to get the insurance sorted out and get that uh, back up and running ASAP. Uh, bunch to get to today. Uh, we have been sort of the, the dominoes, as they say, have been falling, especially at the FCS level. So we're going to go through this a little bit. The uh, the SWAC, the Southwestern Athletic Conference, uh, has uh, is is busy with a vote about what their uh, fall sports outlook is going to be. So we'll get into that. Uh, we will also talk a little bit about Bruce Feldman's article proposing, not not so much suggesting, but but sort of playing with toying with the idea: what if the FCS and the group of five moved football to the spring permanently. Uh, what would that, how would that be? What would you think about that? So we can get into that a, a little bit. Um, Greg Medea, who is a beat writer for the Daily News Record in Harrisonburg, Virginia. He covers James Madison. He's the James Madison beat writer. He's going to join us in about a half an hour. Coulter's had an ongoing conversation with him, just trying to get a lay of the land with what's going on in the Colonial. And obviously, James Madison is the flag bearer as far as football goes for the conference, uh, for the Colonial Athletic Association. Uh, They are working on putting together an independent schedule. So we will talk to him specifically about what that looks like. And especially, I think, a pretty important uh, I don't know if it's a clause, but it's a kind of a stated reality that James Madison will only pursue an independent set, a schedule, my understanding, if they are ensured that there will be a playoff of some sort that will crown a national champion of some sort at the end of the FCS season, right. which is certainly in question at this point, something totally. like that going on. So. You know, we'll, we'll 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 get into that with him. The NFL, everything seemed to be kind of just going along as usual, and then JJ Watt sent out a tweet, and then we find out, okay, well maybe they're actually not ready to do anything actually different, which could be a problem. And uh, so we'll get into that a little bit. Top of the hour, uh, Kent Haslam, end of the week last week, sent out a uh, a letter, an open letter to uh, particularly Grizz football fans, uh, just sort of discussing the state of affairs of where they're at as a program and. Uh, uh, again, sort of reiterating uh, the scenario as it pertains to season tickets and how season ticket purchases can, you know, be made, or if they've been made, how they can be uh, either either refunded or also maybe perhaps kept in the uh, in the kitty for next year and things like that to try and you know act as a donation and and to buoy the program through a very very difficult time. So we we'll get into that a little bit as well. And uh, again. Uh, this came out right at the end of the week last week, so if you missed it, but uh, the great uh, the Great Northern Conference is that it? Great Northwest Athletic great Conference, Northwest, yeah, the, G- uh, the GNAC, yep. Uh, Athletic Conference Division Two announced it will not be playing football. It's 
include Central Washington, which was the first home game on the University of Montana schedule. So that has officially been canceled now. That home football game, home opener, uh, I believe September the 5th was that when it was scheduled, uh, is not happening. I don't know what the prospects would be for a replacement of some sort in there but as a, but that game is certainly off and whether that will you know whether that date will be able to be filled is obviously there's a lot of conversations between that and that and and, and finding out that information so we'll, there you go this show today uh, for you if you'd like to call 3613688 is the phone number 3613688 all guests join us via the Rangish Brothers RV phone line and if you'd like to listen live uh, and it's just easier on your you know, device or your computer or your tablet and so forth. Maybe you're at a market, whatever it might be. Go to the World Wide Web. That's where you can get everything. 1029ESPN.com. 1029ESPN.com is the website. You listen to the stream there thanks to Opportunity Bank. Opportunity Bank, your local bank, your opportunity. Coulter, the Ivy League, the Patriot League, the MEAC, and the Colonial have all suspended sports until at least January 1st, 2021. There will be no fall football season as such for any of those schools. We talked extensively. The Colonial is the one of the big three, one of the power three conferences at the FCS level to go along with the Missouri Valley and the Big Sky. They, as a conference, have not banned their schools from participating in sports and in football, but if they do so, they will have to do so independently and sort of make that schedule, put that together on their own, however they are able to piecemeal it. Uh, again, we will have Greg Medea on to talk more about this from James Madison's perspective and then thereby the, the conference's perspective. The SWAC has, is in a meeting right now as yeah, they are... The reports that uh, they adjourned seven minutes ago, so we okay. should have a final decision on that uh, soon. And they will be uh, evidently voting on whether to carry on uh, at this point with the season in the fall or not. Yeah. Uh, let's, let's, talk about that. let's talk about that just briefly because to me, as we talked about all last week, the Ivy League has been and will continue to be autonomous in every decision that they make regardless. Right. The Ivy League and their schools, they need sports less from a marketing exposure and financial standpoint than any other league in all of college sports. No, no doubt. Every one of those schools has all the money they're ever going to need. They probably have the least faculty support for Football, because just the nature of the fact that most of the head injury studies that have been done regarding football from the professional level all the way down have been by Harvard and Yale professors and researchers. And so, on one hand, the science behind those schools, the science that they have at their disposal, that's influential in the college football landscape. But on the other hand, I I really didn't think that that was a pace-setting move because, again, they're just autonomous. They don't play in the playoffs. A.K.A. it's not a domino whose movement right. has an effect elsewhere. The domino was a one-domino-domino, and that's the Patriot League because they're very similar. Patriot League is like the Ivy League light. You have private schools, mm-hmm. high-research institutions, high tuition. You don't really need sports. The MEAC is somewhere in the middle. They do have an auto bid. But then the big domino was the CAA because that is a power league. That is a league that has many schools with rich Football tradition. I mean, New Hampshire has been a perennial FCS power. Delaware has been a perennial FCS power. Uh, Villanova has won a national championship in the last a little bit more than a decade. James Madison's obviously won two of the, of the last 15 national championships, and they've also played for three more. So that was a huge domino to me. The SWAC is so interesting because the Southwestern Athletic Conference does not participate in the FCS playoffs. There's been some blowback on Twitter saying, why do we care if they cancel or not? 
But you got to understand what the Southwestern Athletic Conference is, what schools are in it, and what football means at those places. When you talk about schools like Alcorn State, Jackson State, Southern, Prairie View A&M, Grambling State, these are historical black colleges where the pageantry of the game day is one of the number one reasons why people go to school there. It's not just about the football. It's about the marching band, the the tailgates, the radio shows. Like The SWAC has led the FCS in cumulative attendance for 20 straight years. Mm. Everybody shows up at the SWAC games because it's not. It's about the event, the pageantry of the event, more than it is what are we playing for. They're playing to win the SWAC. That's what they play for. They right. have a, they have their own national they, championship. They have their own national championship. Yeah. They have an East and a West division. And then they play in a bowl. That's right. And so the tradition behind it is huge. And so the cancellation will be symbolic, no doubt, and it'll also be indicative of sort of the opposite side of this whole thing. Because to me. We know the pandemic is going to affect literally every decision that's made in sports over the next six to eight months, probably more like the next two to three years. But so many of these schools are trying to make decisions. How do we get by based on what the money elements of this? And we're going to get into what the Grizz are going to have to do to replace that Central Washington game. All Everything trickles downhill, right? If you get a money game canceled like Montana State did with Utah, that's a substantial amount of money that you were going to use to buy other games. I don't know if a lot of people realize that. Like The Grizz were going to pay Central Washington over $200,000 to come here. Mm-hmm. How do you make that up? How do you find a similar opponent? A lot of times, Division II schools are a lot cheaper to schedule. That's why they land on the schedules. But Central Washington is kind of a golden goose of the Division II scheduling because it's a regional school. They're usually pretty good. You know, It's... it's a lot more familiar for people than just some, you know, anonymous Midwestern Division II school. So we'll see how they get into it. But if the SWAC cancels it, I think that, and we'll find that out here in moments, I believe. I think it's it's more symbolic than maybe any of the other cancellations with the exception of the CAA. And I think it's more symbolic, too, because despite maybe not the national repercussions in terms of the competitive playing field, it matters in that conference as much as any conference in the country. Sue Tell Nuanas, 1029 ESPN Radio. Uh, Coulter, we go to the Twitter machine at AP586, was asking about this very thing and in relation specifically to uh, if, if you go fully independent, Right. right, we talked about this uh, on Friday. If you, if it was an, just on a national scale, it just went fully independent, and teams could just schedule whoever they could and whoever would play them. The question is, would players want to play in a scenario like that? What happens with both eligibility and scholarships? And I think those are good questions to ask because, you know, on one hand, the players want to play presumably, but if, let's say it's like, okay, we're going to play, you know, Montana, Montana State, you're going to play eight games, you're going to play, you know, three schools that are NAIA in-state schools, right? A maybe a Northern Colorado, you play, you know, the Cat Grizz game, that's great, but it culminates in nothing, there's no postseason, there's no, there's no Big Sky champion, is that the sort of season that you feel like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm a see, I'm here, I am, I'm, I'm Samori Torre, right? I'm right. Sammy Akem. Right. This is how I want to ride out. Is right. is play, you know, having having four seventy point victories against teams that are not even within two classifications of our own 
playing with no culmination whatsoever with the exception of the, the, the Cat Grizz game. I mean, that's the one redeeming, potentially redeeming characteristic right. to uh, something like that, which I would consider to be a disaster from a football season standpoint if it was brought right. to that level. Because you... you especially at the FCS level. The draw is you are playing towards a goal, like you're working towards you a bunch of steps, a bunch of plateaus that you reach on your way to as far as you can get. And if none of that is available anymore, it's like, I mean, what are we doing here? It's 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 the basketball season in that, that happened to basketball in retrospect right. happening in advance for football. Gus, the first meal I had outside my own home following the quarantine was at your house. Brought over a bunch of meat. I brought over my Alpine Touch, but I didn't bring it home. I forgot it at your place. Our first meal was made better, as every meal is made better, by Alpine Touch on basically everything. I put Alpine Touch hickory smoke on my cereal in the morning. <laughs> it's it's reached that level of usage. And the fact that you left it, I knew that you left it at my house. You brought it over, left it at my house. And like a real jerk, I said nothing to you because I was like, well, that's mine, dude. That's it. You came to my house. You left it in my house, and I'm eating all of it. We've gotten so far into this Alpine Touch obsession, I think, that I actually think we might be able to host a podcast about all the things that you can make with Alpine Touch. It would be short. Everything. (laughs) They have a bunch of different varieties of spices, as we know. Uh, They are local from the state of Montana. Shoto, shout out, original Alpine Touch. And it's great when it's not just local, when it's not just supporting the state of Montana, but when it's also actually the best thing that you can get. I mean, when it comes to spices... Uh, it's second to none. So, boys and girls, use your Alpine Touch. Colter, tell them where they can get it. AlpineTouch.com, no matter where you're at in the entire world listening to this, if you are in the United States of America and you make an order of over $50, which, you know, if you get yourself the Grand Slam and maybe some barbecue sauce, some sunflower seeds, you're there. Free shipping anywhere in the United States of America right now. Uh, so go to AlpineTouch.com. They're rolling out all their summer Big Mountain flavor packages. The sunflower shoots are really, really good as well. Alpine Touch has got you covered. Alpine Touch, Montana's special spice. I mean, the ir- I mean, the irony is like Montana State superstar Troy Anderson. He's actually in a better position than almost anybody, <laughs> but only because he can here now make the decision to maybe not come back this year or play a limited amount of games so that he's guaranteed next year. Whereas Sammy Kim, Samari Toure, guys like those guys, Jace Lewis, they redshirted at Montana, so they. They don't have that extra year. So I think, I mean, there's to me that there, there's three different camps in terms of the questions here. Do the players, if you say to a fifth-year senior, okay, you, you can play a schedule, but it's not going to culminate in the playoffs. You're going to be playing a lot of NAIA games. Do you want to do it? I think there's going to be guys that want to, guys that don't. Yeah. Then there's the question, though, if you do play an adjusted schedule, is there still a possibility to maybe get extra eligibility? But if that's the case, then how does it work moving down the road? I mean, that's that has to be an NCAA decision that has to be all or none, right? Totally. You can't sit here. You can say everybody can go fully independent, but here's the deal. If you play, it is eligibility, or if you play, it isn't eligibility. This this season, we're going to do the best we can to play as much football as we can because that's what what football teams do. That's what schools with those programs do. But we are going to chalk this up as a 
non-event along the lines of, you know, as if it were something like a spring sport where they did extend the eligibility all the way around for anyone and everyone that wanted to participate. And there's a bunch of kids, by the way, who are football players that it won't help anyway because they are out the door no matter what. Like, they, they got life plans setting up for them that, they, that they're that they going to go pursue, whether they play another game of football or not. But I, I do think that it would be an interesting scope, depending on what a season would look like when you pull players, if they, you know, are overly interested in in playing in that, that sort of scenario. So who you play, that's a huge question. Definitely. Who you play in front of, though, is another huge question. Because... Say they say, okay, you, Montana, you can play a, a full ten game schedule, five on at home, five on the road, but you're never going to play in front, in front of more than a half full stadium. Now that brings two questions up because does does the athletic department is that financially feasible? If it is, though, then I mean, would you want to play in front of ten thousand people at Cacarius? Well, I would love to, <laughs> but <laughs> but I mean, if you were one of these group seniors, if you're Jace Lewis and you, you're sitting here, you're a Montana guy, you're going to be probably a captain of the team, you're an All-American, and you've lost to the Cats every year of your career. you got one last chance to beat them. They're coming to Missoula. The Grizz are better than they have been in the last several years. Would you really want to play Cacarez in front of a half-full stadium? Well, here, here's what I would say. If Would I want to play Cat Grizz in a half-full stadium compared to a full stadium? Of course not. Would I want to play it in a half-full stadium compared to not at all? Yes. But that's the question, though, is do you want to play it on November 17th or do you want to play it in front of a absolutely filled-to-the-brim stadium on May 12th? Well, let's talk about that. It's 2 Tell New Honors, 1029 ESPN Radio. Bruce Feldman, uh, who uh, covers all things college football, uh, said, what if the FCS, and he included the group of five, the FBS, you know, the other five conferences moved their football schedules to the spring. You know, we've had now multiple stop and starts for various reasons of professional leagues, the AF and the XFL reset uh, that want to take advantage of the fact that there is no football in the spring and try and, you know, parlay the interest and the, you know, love of the game and so forth into uh, uh, their sport. I thought, actually, the XFL did a pretty darn good job. Frankly, I thought the AAF did a decent job of it, all things considered, until it was dissolved from the inside out. Right. And then, you know, coronavirus ended the XFL's, you know, bid at this thing. Yeah. Um, having college football in the spring, first of all, I'm I'm certainly open to it. I mean, not the, I have any, but but in this season again, I I take everything that happens in the next in, in this sports calendar at the college level as utterly unique, and I mean that sincerely as a once-off scenario that has no, you know, maybe you play around with some things, you know, maybe like we said, the Major League Baseball they're going to play sixty games. Does this give any fuel to the fire for the? Pundits who scream that a shorter season will be better. Well, maybe we'll find out if it's if if it's better in some way uh, because it's going that way. But in terms of import for the future, I put no stock in it because this is uh, such an, an uh, unprecedented situation that we're in as it pertains to sports. That said, the idea of football in the spring, my initial reaction was hatred and and fury. Okay, I love football in the fall. I love everything about going through the summer and as it starts to cool off and the leaves start to turn and the energy that's associated with that, with the actual season changing, and we're fortunate to live in a state where we got four actual seasons coming at us. 
Uh, there is a certain je ne sais quoi, if I may, about the idea of having football, the reality of having football in the fall, where in my mind, I realize this is not some sort of, you know, fundamental phenomenon about the way the universe is, but my experience is when it's there, it is a feature that uh, can't be replaced and would feel very out of place if it was anywhere else in it. So my initial reaction to this was to hate it. That said, as somebody who covers football, you and I, on, on, on 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 a college football Saturday, are covering either Montana or Montana State, eight to nine weeks out of... I mean, we're covering them every every Saturday, no matter what, but in person, one way or another, eight to nine weeks out of the year. I think last year... I mean, last year with the 12-game schedule, I think I was in a press box 11 uh, Saturdays. 11 Saturdays. Yeah. Now, this is not just me as a member of the media. I find this to be the case for anybody who's a fan of, of any of these sports. We All these people love football. There's something that's great about the chaos that is... 50 football games being played at the same time on a Saturday morning and afternoon from the FBS level to the FCS level, even to the NAIA level. Okay, there's something that I I get a kick out of that. That said, if you are at the Montana game, if you are at the Montana State game, you are not watching the Michigan game, the Wisconsin game, the Florida game, whatever it might be. All of the other games that you might be interested in, if you're a fan, whatever it might be, are basically excluded. You are invested in that one game. You see, obviously, what's going on on the Internet and stuff like that. It would be something to just be at home all fall watching FBS football at the Power 5 level right? and then have the spring to completely invest in the FCS. And I do wonder if that would grow these divisions of football. You always tell me nobody cares about the MAC, and basically you're right. And nobody cares about the FCS. And other than the the schools and the people in those towns, those communities, that is the truth. In the spring, maybe that isn't the truth. Maybe Maybe it garners a bigger draw, especially some of the schools in some of the bigger areas, you know, where you're not competing with Virginia Tech, you know, if you're James Madison or whatever it might be. So I, there's a little bit there to me. That said... It is. It would be very difficult for me to imagine, like, not going to Washington Grizzly Stadium, not going to to, 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 to Bobcat Stadium in October, in November. To ha- think of a warm weather Cat Grizz, I hate that so very much. Like, it's beyond words how much I hate that. Yeah, no question. I mean, that's the mystique of of the Cat Grizz right. game. Is it's going to be freezing? It's the ball's going to be frozen. It's zero degrees. No, no doubt. I think that the biggest hang up too. Uh, first of all, I think from an exposure standpoint, you're absolutely right. I mean, you you, you could make up a lot of extra exposure. Because of you'd have a lot more TV money, you'd have a lot more TV exposure. But to me, the two biggest hangups here are the recruiting calendar. Because if you have football going on in the spring, that flips the recruiting calendar. So now you can't recruit against the Power Five like Montana, Montana State, Eastern Washington, some of these Northwestern powers do. The dead periods when kids can make visits, it would be turned on its head. You'd have to get kids to commit almost a year in advance if you wanted to get any sort of high-profile Well, and to me, gaps. that would be a bigger problem for like a team like a Boise State, right? No question. Or some of the, the, the group of five teams that are on the high end that really do go toe-to-toe with Power Fives all the time for kids. Yeah. The other thing here, though, and this is the part that I think that Feldman really missed out on in, that, in his article, because I thought it was good, and I thought he was, he was looking at it through the lens of the halves. The problem is that the halves in the FCS or maybe... 15 schools 
The have-nots are 105 to 110 schools. The 110 schools that aren't Montana, Montana State, North Dakota State, and James Bassin, they have to play FBS games. So yeah. if you if it's not at the same time, how do you make the money? Yeah, it's a good point. I, I mean, look at Portland State this year. They're playing almost a million dollars in money games. Those games got canceled, so who knows what that even does to the viability of their football program. But there's very few schools that could just make it based on selling out six home games and then playing a normal schedule like Montana Montana State does. Yeah. And then, you know, where do you get your other opponents as well? If you're the FCS, the, the group of five doesn't really have the money to pay you like you need to be paid like the Power Five does for money games. Also, though, if Division Two is going in the fall... You lose a whole bunch of opponents, especially for people out west like Montana, Montana State. We know they already have a really hard time scheduling an all-Division One schedule. They almost always have to splice in a D2. That's off the table, too, if you move to the spring. And then the third thing is, and this is a it's only a concern for, again, the blue bloods of the FCS, but it, the NFL draft and that whole process. How many guys that maybe are a borderline Power 5 guy or even just a borderline Group of 5 guy is going to make a decision that's maybe not the best decision for them because they want to be a part of the traditional process of trying to make it to the NFL. You could have a whole bunch of guys choosing to walk on at Washington State rather than going to Eastern Washington just so they can be in the calendar of what the FBS is because the NFL is not moving. The combine is going to happen in February and March. The draft is going to happen in April or May. So I I, I think that it would impact – I think there's some – validity to what Bruce Feldman was saying in terms of exposure and things like that, but I think it would just be way too much of a headache. And this goes all the way back to finish, to to put a bow on this thing. It goes all the way back to what you just said, which this is the number one question mark to me. The NCAA is not regulating any of this stuff, and so it's giving each of the levels of college football this autonomy to essentially fracture. And whenever there is that autonomy and there's that choice, it's going to happen. I don't understand how it can't. Why would you ever want to be in a decision? If you're the Power Five, you want to be autonomous. You do not, because the Power Five is the one that's impervious to everything else that might happen. The Power Five, the only reason they need any of the other levels of Division One football is so they can buy wins a week before the SEC championship game, like Alabama and Auburn does every single year, right? They don't need to play Gardner. Alabama does not need to play Gardner-Webb. They don't need to do that, not whatsoever, they don't need any non-Power 5 opponents. And if if they, if they the if the Power 5 had complete autonomy, then you would see nothing but powerhouse matchups. Like, imagine if this really did happen then. Ohio State is not going to play Miami of Ohio ever again. They're going to play nothing but powerhouse teams. That could be good for the FBS, but it's going to leave everybody else in the dust because you have to have the trickle down, right? You For every level of football to exist, you need the level above it to exist. Well, you're right, and... and there's a lot more that we could say about this. If 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 the, this move to the spring, like Bruce Feldman is existing, it presupposes an absolute and complete disconnect from the Power Five to the rest of college football. By the way, that's not necessarily a bad thing in some ways. It, the financial side of this, though, considerations would absolutely have to be made by the NCAA. You know what the NCAA is? A nonprofit. You know how much money the NCAA generates? Billions. Billions. And so in terms of how it is that you can continue with FCS, you know, group of five teams and even lower that are within the NCAA rubric, that's how. Uh, you know, they can get money. Sure. 
to keep those things going because, you know, whatever, it's in their bylaws to do it or in their, you know, mission statement. Two, two, two more things I know we got to get out. First, this afternoon, 13 North Dakota State student-athletes tested positive for COVID-19. Okay. That's the largest number I've seen. Now, we we don't know that they're all football players. No, just says student-athletes. Student athletes. Okay. First of all, kudos to North Dakota State for being transparent about that, but also that's crazy because that's the highest number I've seen from any individual athletic department since Kansas State first reported back and I think had 14 Yeah, Cle- Clemson tests. had a, a bunch when they first got back together, right. too. Um, so, yeah, I mean, this... It, you expect this stuff to happen in clusters like this. Well, especially when you first report back because it's going to be the first test. Right. So yeah. you're just going to get a wave of tests. And, all, and then there's all the, you know, are these active cases? Is it antibodies? What are they? But regardless, that's impactful because they're the defending national champions. They're the reigning champions. Of course. Secondly, one thing that we're not considering is if and when, it, say James Masson does set the, uh, the precedent here of going independent for this fall. Uh, Greg Medea from the uh, Daily News Record in Harrisonburg, Virginia, will join us momentarily to talk about this. He's the beat writer for James Masson, and we'll talk in detail all about this. But if they do set the pace and say Montana, Montana State, North Dakota State schools like that follow, a whole bunch of schools are not going to follow. The CAA has made this decision. The CAA has 12 members. Only two schools have said they're playing football, James Masson and Elon. That's it. So schools like Villanova, New Hampshire, Towson, they've all said we're not. So then let's say some of the Blue Bloods of the FCS do play this fall, but then the other, everybody else plays in the spring. How do you reconvene? Yeah. Is that a fracture that lasts forever, or is it a fracture that only lasts for a season? I don't know. It's 2 Till and Nuanas, 1029 ESPN Radio. We will speak about this and much more with Greg Medea, as Coulter mentioned. Uh, he's the uh, James Madison beat writer for the Daily News Record. Right after this, say the Silver Slipper, they're open for sit-down service. They've made some changes to help keep everyone healthy, safe. The patio, it's open. You can enjoy the beautiful weather outside. They're also doing weekly giveaways to local golf courses. How about that? Stop in, ask your bartender how you can win. Things are changing all the time, so go ahead and like the Silver Slipper on Facebook for the most up-to-the-minute information. They have the friendliest staff in town, no matter what's going on in the world, so you're always going to have a nice, enjoyable experience there. At the Silver Slipper, it's all about great food, tasty beverages, and their desire to have a great time. They're across the street from Super Walmart on Brooks, the south side of Missoula. Visit online silversliperlounge.com for more info and stop by today to see why the Silver Slipper is one of Montana's best-kept secrets. At Blackfoot Communications, we're experts at keeping your business technology up and running. From networks and security to communications and 24-7 support, we evaluate your current state infrastructure and deploy the right technology solution for your future. Whether your company is just starting out or is looking to take the next step, Blackfoot is here to help. Call 866-541-5000 or visit goblackfoot.com slash business to learn more. Two guys who talk all the time to talk to somebody who knows something every once in a while, and that's what we're about to do. It's 2 Tell Nuanas, 1029 ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television across the great state. Glad to be with you all on this Monday afternoon. 
can uh, follow along on Twitter, the social media is at Gus Tutel at 1029 ESPN at Skyline Sports MT. Uh, there we go now to the Rangish Brothers RV phone line and welcome in the aforementioned Greg Medea. He is a beat writer following James Madison uh, for the Daily News Record in Harrisonburg, Virginia. Friend of the show, been with us before, but it's been a little while. Greg, welcome back, man. Thanks for being here. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank, thanks for having me on, guys. Well, we're happy. Days here, here. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, it's been a busy couple of days here, but, but all good. Well, it has been a busy couple of days. I hope that it's a busy few months, actually, is what I'm hoping for, Greg, but I don't know where we're at with this. Take us through, though, the last couple of days with the announcement that the CAA would not be playing, and then what was the reaction of James Madison specifically, who was obviously uh, one of the national powers of football in the FCS? Yeah, no, no doubt. It's been fascinating because the CAA, I think, found itself in a, in a place with not many other options other than to not play football this fall just because of the way it, it, its conference is composed. I think you look at the way the CAA is constructed and you, you start seeing there's 12 CAA football members, but of those 12, not everybody plays all sports in the CAA. And some of those teams that play elsewhere. Uh, of course, Villanova is a, a Big East member. You, you know that from the basketball, uh, you know, the, the basketball pre- pedigree and tradition. Uh, you obviously uh, understand that, that Maine and New Hampshire is up there in the American East. And then, of course, you have even some 810 members uh, with, with other sports with Richmond and Rhode Island. So you have a very diverse way the conference is composed. And then you think about some of the localities where, where some of these schools are, are are at with Stony Brook and Albany being in New York, you knew you could have some logistical issues considering New York uh, just to get in the state from, from certain other states. You have to quarantine for, for a certain amount of time, and that doesn't really lend itself well to football when teams fly in on a Friday, play on Saturday, and leave on Sunday. Uh, that's not ideal. So the CAA was in just a tough spot because of the, you know, the, the varied members that, that it had. So it had to make a decision that, that was kind of it's in the league's best interest not to play football this fall. And, of course, they're going to try in the spring. But it also left the door open for the league members who wanted to try to play this fall to do so as an independent. So James Madison is going to try to, and Elon is going to try to. And from James Madison's point of view, it felt like it had to, and it owed it to its players to try to play this fall, especially because you think about James Madison the last half decade, last decade, in FCS football, they've been to three national championship games in the last four years, and they felt as long as the NCAA was going to hold FCS postseason, they needed to try to get together a schedule, cobble together a schedule, and that's what they're trying to do now. Greg, thanks so much for joining us. Coulter Nuanas here. At, on that note, though, the fact is that James Madison will play if there is a postseason, but we're not going to probably know other FCS schools or conferences. They're going to follow the same blueprint. Uh, we expect some sort of announcement from the Big Sky Conference probably later on this week. They do have their media days. They moved them up till Thursday and Friday. And, and, you know, I mean, it's so hard to project or predict anything that's going on. But if, in fact, the Big Sky makes a similar decision as the CAA, we fully expect Montana, Montana State to at least explore doing something like James Madison is trying to do right now. But when it comes down to making an independent schedule, what are some of the challenges? Because as we know, 
FBS programs a lot of times have their schedules booked out for three, four, five years, particularly when it comes to the non-conference. So how is James Madison going to be able to cobble together a schedule without really knowing who is and who is not available to play? Yeah, it's interesting, Colton. And I did a little digging on this just to see if there were games available for James Madison. You'd be surprised where they're located geographically actually lends itself to, to maybe playing uh, an independent schedule that they could get together. I think first and foremost, you'd, you'd consider JMU to align with, with Elon in some sort, whether it's a one-off game or a home-and-home, home, probably a home-and-home, home, just because both teams have so many games to fill. Elon going at this, too, as an independent. Uh, and, and being a CAA member, you think JMU and Elon would partner up and help each other out a little bit. Beyond that, there are so many teams and leagues that have had games impacted already that there, there is options for, for JMU. I mean, just within the, the state of Virginia, uh, at the FBS le- level, Liberty uh, lost a game with MEAC member, uh, North Carolina A&T because of the MEAC decision to not play football this fall. Uh, Lynchburg, where Liberty is located, is, is less than 100 miles from Harrisonburg. Old Dominion down in Norfolk, uh, they, they lost a game with Hampton. Hampton, as a school, decided it would not play sports this fall. So they're looking for, for an opponent. And JMU said they're going to be open-minded as, as maybe ever before in, in, in playing multiple FBS games. And even Kurt Signetti, the James Madison coach, said, you know, maybe they do have a schedule where they've got, you know, multiple FBS opponents and then they fill in with FCS uh, just to get to that, that level, of, that number of games that they need to play. And they feel like the ideal would be eight to get to eight games. They, prob- they feel like, though, they have to schedule uh, 11 or 12 uh, games just to get to that eight because you don't know, uh, you don't have the, the known factor of the virus. You don't know how that's going to uh, disrupt things and, and change and alter how weeks and weeks of the football season uh, could look. But there are certainly options for JMU, both at the FBS and FCS level. Uh, VMI is right down the road in Lexington. They lost a game with Princeton. Uh, you, you have teams in the Big South, Monmouth, uh, they they had non-conference games scheduled against other CA members, Albany, um, and 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 I think one more. They also lost a game with Rutgers. Uh, so there there are plenty of options out there for for JMU to try to fit, fit this schedule together. Greg Medea joining us. He uh, covers James Madison uh, for uh, the uh, Daily News record in Harrisonburg, Virginia. And I'm, I'm wondering, you know, it makes sense, obviously, to look at this thing geographically, who's close to us, who's regional that we could play, you know, where whatever the teams are. But is there a thought at all that they might be open to travel? I realize there's an expense that's associated with, you know, getting on a plane. Uh, and maybe that's not even, you know, maybe expense isn't even the most, you know, important thing, But if it turns out that maybe the Missouri Valley or the Big Sky Conference follow the same suit here that the CAA has done, you may have some teams and some very high-level FCS teams that would be looking to have a great game with James Madison, you know, somewhere, sometime. Is that is that a possibility to, to move out of the region to play some games during the season? I think that would be very uh, a situation maybe if they get very desperate that they explore, but but Jeff Bourne, the AD at JMU, said they would much rather travel by bus and get to games by bus uh, instead of an airplane. First of all, for, for cost reasons, you, you guys know, uh, flight flight travel, charter travel is, is not inexpensive. Uh, and then also because of the virus, they feel maybe it's a little safer to travel by bus 
than by airplane. Uh, I, I do think that's a huge financial commitment when schools are already uh, schools that decide to play this fall are already going to be making a huge financial commitment with what coronavirus testing uh, costs. That's not cheap. I think that's something uh, all these schools that are making their decisions are, are deciding whether or not it's, it's worth it for them to test their football players. I think the NCAA guidelines are, what, 72 hours uh, within 72 hours before kickoff, and then probably you're doing it again after that. Uh, so you're, you're looking at, you know, two, maybe three coronavirus testing per test per player and, and it, just in the, in the realm of a week. Uh, so that's going to get pretty pricey. So I think wherever they can cut costs, uh, they're going to try, which is why I would say, JM, you likely not going to explore uh, that, 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 that option of, of playing some teams by, by aircraft. It seems like it is a realistic proposition for James Madison independently to put together their own schedule to play. But my biggest question is then, first of all, who, who do they play? I know you had a, a great article uh, that's up on, on your guys' website right now, dnronline.com. You can find it, uh, Medea crafting a mock schedule for the Dukes. But it seems like that's only part of the equation, right, Greg? I mean, they, they're going to need other teams that explore the same thing so they can get to a national playoff, right? Oh, no doubt. Uh, they're they're going to need teams just as much as, as teams are going to have to need them. Uh, they they you, know, you always got to have a dance partner, right? Uh, I mean, and, and scheduling is hard enough. You hear athletic directors and administrators in college athletics always say scheduling is so hard, you know, four or five years down the road. And now they're going to try to put together basically a whole new schedule in in a matter in, in what less than two months. Uh, so the challenges are, are certainly there. I think what helps them, and I, I guess some of it will depend on what the ACC does. They do have a guaranteed game against North Carolina. Uh, maybe the ACC follows suit of Pac-12 and, and Big Ten and doesn't play non-conference games. That would hurt JMU. But until that happens, I think I would think that game stays on the schedule. There's no reason for JMU to back out of that game when they're due 500K from North Carolina. Uh, and then you look in the second week of the season. Uh, they have a back end of a home-and-home home series uh, with Chattanooga. Jamie went to Chattanooga last year. Chattanooga comes to Harrisonburg this year. That game's still on as, as planned. And I think that's really the big part of this whole thing, which would make it much easier for JMU. If the SOCON and the Big South play, because those are the two other leagues semi-regionally JMU could could get games with, uh, and those those schools have already had some altered schedules. I talked about the Big South a little bit with Monmouth. Uh, as, as as well as Campbell's, another one I think I mentioned in the article, uh, which has lost games because Hampton hasn't has decided not to play. Monmouth got Albany and Maine in the non-conference, which was scratched out. I think a game against Rutgers also because the Big Ten's decision. I think you look at those two leagues, if the Big South and SoCon play, JMU can, can find a way to make a schedule happen uh, with FCS regional games as, as an independent. I think that, that those are the keys. Uh, because once you once you lose those leagues, uh, there aren't very many options in terms of regional opponents unless you're looking to play, you know, seven, eight FBS games and go from there. So uh, certainly a lot to think about for, for JMU administrators at this point. When it, when it comes to now the future, I know it's impossible to predict the future, but with two CAA members now exploring, at least exploring this, but the rest of the CAA basically saying, we're not going to do this, and, and I'm sure schools like Villanova, New Hampshire, 
you know, Towson, they're going to probably push to have football in the spring. What does that mean for the future of the league, and where does the CAA fit into the FCS at that point? I mean, is there a chance that this is more than just a one-year worth of fracturing? I do think there are some issues there with, with the CAA and its membership, just because of how diverse CAA football membership is. I kind of ran through it for you a little earlier. You've just got so many teams in different locations in the United States and, and so many teams that play other sports in other leagues. So sometimes it's hard to get everybody on the same uh, page. So I, I do think there could be some issues there. I, I know uh, just from talking to, to Jeff Bourne, the AD at JMU, when this coronavirus first hit, you know, March, April, around that time, and he said, you know, he, he thought this could, you know, really alter some things in terms of the landscape of college football. And I don't know if this that means impacting JMU a year from now or the CAA a year from now, uh, but there are going to be teams that they can't afford to play football anymore at the end of the day. And I don't know if any of the CAA teams fall on that boat, but uh, it's certain, certainly something that that's on the mind of, of college athletics people everywhere is, you know, how is this virus going to dictate the future of the sport, not only college football as a whole, but when you look closer at the FCS uh, subdivision and, and you think about uh, just how tough it is financially for some of these schools anyway, uh, especially, you know, you think about Northeast Conference, you think about the Pioneer League, uh, Northeast Conference is, what, 45 scholarship, partial scholarships, and then the Pioneer League doesn't have any scholarships. Uh, there are some ramifications uh, this year for, for sure. Uh, and then I think the elephant in the room is whether or not there there gets to, there is a men's basketball tournament in this academic uh, year coming up. I think that is absolutely huge because that money, you know, starts at the top and then trickles all the way down to Division Three. Uh, so I think they're going to need – there are a lot of people in college athletics going to make sure they get an NCAA basketball tournament this year, men's tournament, because of what the revenue is from, from television and everything else that goes with it. FCS Adam Schefter joining us. It is Greg Medea, beat writer for JMU, writing for the Daily News Record in Harrisonburg. Greg, always appreciate it. This has been good stuff. And as we continue to go, see how things develop for the Dukes and at, at FCS at large, we'll catch up with you again and uh, and run through where we're at, all right? All right. Th- thanks for having me on, guys. Good to talk with you. You as well. Greg Medea. Does know what's going on, man. He's uh, he's been covering JMU for a little while. It's nice to have some of that institutional knowledge at work when you have conversations like this with a guy. So we appreciate it very much. We'll take a quick break. We'll react to what we just heard. I know Coulter's got some thoughts on it. I do as well. So we we'll get to that right after this. It's two tail one is ESPN Radio. Coulter, during this time where we got to be a little bit socially distanced, it's nice to know we can get out on the links and play a little bit of golf. And nobody better than Western Birch to get your round started right. That's right, golf's been definitely one of my favorite pastimes during quarantine times. It has recently landed my new Western Birch customized golf tees. Go check out Western Birch golf tees at westernbirch.com. These classy golf tees are made of 100% white birch hardwood and printed with high-quality color right here in the United States. A company founded right here in Montana. These durable wood golf tees, perfect way for you to market your business. Just think, anytime you break a tee, your brand is sitting on the tee box forever. You can hand them out to your clients, your buddies, your golf partners, whoever. Great way to earn top-of-mind awareness while also playing a sport we all love. Again, you can check out all the cool designs online at westernbirch.com. Add your logo on a 1,000 of any of their tees for $150 delivered to your door. Give them to clients, friends, watch them get impressed by the quality of the look of a simple golf tee and by your creativity. 
Give Western Birch the opportunity to show you what they are talking about. Email and ask for Chad at info at westernbirch.com, info at westernbirch.com, or follow on Instagram and Facebook, westernbirch.com. Tell Nuanas, 1029 ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television. You can check us out on YouTube. To Tell Nuanas YouTube channel available to watch at your leisure. You can do it live or after the fact. That's the nice thing there. Uh, to Tell Nuanas always on the edge of uh, cutting edge of technology. So we have a big announcement about texting at the top of the hour, which we are pumped up about uh, to bring you. Uh, but Coulter, I just wanted to react. We just got a couple minutes here left in the hour, but to talk about uh, what what Greg had to say to us, Greg Medea. Again, if you missed the, the the full conversation, you can check it out on the podcast. But first of all, let me clarify with you: James Madison, and, <coughs> excuse me, Elon are going to play. Is it official? No one else is. Yes, those are the only two CAA teams that have said they're going to play. <laughs> No school has directly made the announcement we are not going to play, but I think that that just implies that they're following what the basically the directive that was passed down by the CAA is. Because the only, I mean, Elon and James Massey came out immediately and said we are going to play. But you could have, you could conceive in a week's time that another school or two go, you know what, we are going to try and do the independent thing as well. And I would think all, if you got five CAA teams to agree to do it, you could have four games, or potentially you could go straight home and home and have eight games built in right there with less than half the league available. It's an interesting league because, honestly, James Madison and Richmond are the outliers of the league when it comes to their location. James Madison and Richmond, geographically, should actually probably be in the southern. Right. The but Southland. The, no, the Southern. The Southland is the Texas League. The Southern mm. is with schools like schools like the, the Southern Cit- schools like the Citadel and Wofford. SoCon. Yeah, the SoCon exactly. Because you know James Madison in Harrisonburg, Virginia. I mean that that's a world away when it comes to what we're dealing with right now than Philadelphia, where Villanova is located, or Long Island where Stony Brook is located, or Monmouth, uh, New York. You know, there's it's the the climate is a lot different in a lot of different fashions. Not only right. just the infection rates, but also the the political uh, climates in those places. The fervor for football or lack thereof. So, my biggest question is: I fully believe James Madison has the resources and the ability to put together an independent schedule. I just don't know what they're going to be playing for, and I don't know how the logistics are going to fall into place in a timely fashion because I don't know how you're going to have decisions made across the landscape of college football, especially when it comes to non-Power 5 schools, to to decide that they're going to play or not. The thing that I'm trying to figure out is because the FCS playoff is an NCAA-sanctioned event, Right, the NCAA are the ones who are going to ultimately dictate the terms on whether there is a postseason or not and what that postseason is going to look like. Now, I guess they could do what they have done and take their hands completely off the wheel and go, we aren't administering a postseason. If you all would like to get together as presidents and ADs and figure out what you're going to do, by all means, go ahead. But I got news for you. There will be no money coming from, from us, a.k.a. 
the NCAA, and no facilities and all the things that they bring to bear in a tournament like that, I would think if you're going to have a postseason, it has to include the NCAA because they're the ones ultimately who do fund the thing. And if and you need it for the revenue share, and if the it, logistics of the revenue exactly. share. Exactly. But if it's in their hands, I wonder I wonder if they are willing to broach something like that for a variety of different reasons, financial, pandemic, etc. And if they were, if a third of the teams are playing football in the fall that that otherwise would have been do you say, okay, well, it's an eight-team playoff that we're doing now? It's a four-team. We're doing. We're just going to do the FBS model on this thing? I don't know. It's going to be uh, uh, an odd an odd uh, scenario. And I, I, I don't want to sound like a Debbie Downer here, but I keep circling back to the fact that Montana, Montana State, and North Dakota State, more than any other schools in all of college football, are in this incredibly strange scenario where – Almost all the revenue comes from the gate. So you need to sell out your stadium. And I don't know how we're going to get to that point. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter if you can find 10 teams that will play you. It doesn't matter if you have five teams that will come to Montana. I don't know how you make the revenue if you're not selling out the stadium. But here's the thing. No, I. you and I are just on different sides of this thing. They're not making the revenue anyway. It's just a percentage of loss, and it's a question of will the institution foot the bill for the people that are no longer in the stands right. or the ways that they can generate the revenue. Right, again. I know, I know, but you. Could, but the 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 number one argument for moving to the spring is you don't know what's going to happen, but there is there is a chance you could play in front of sold out stadiums in April. Sure. I don't think there's a chance you can play in front of a sold-out stadium in September. Totally. I, uh, you, uh, and, so then and, you just push it back. And I also think this is just, it has such a has such a chance to fracture so many elements of the con- the ideals of the conferences. You, you have a lot of different ways that this plays out in your mind when it's all said and done. And they're, they, they're reasonable, but they're not predictable. So you know that's that that's stuff that we just have to see the way that it plays out. If there's spring football, that's actual football instead of fall, um, you know, that that's all well and good. And if anything happens as a result of that in terms of fracturing or different conference affiliation or teams dropping out of, you know, whatever it might be, then then you see it when you get there and you find out why when you get there. I mean, it's it's always possible. But again, I mean, it's possible no matter what because it happens all the time regardless. It does. I just uh, I, I worry about this for the Montana schools more than any other institutions. And that's because, one, obviously that's who we cover. But, two, I think that say James Madison goes independent this year, make an independent schedule. And then say that means that then they're – there is a, a, a divide between them and the Colonial Athletic Association, and they're no longer a part of that league. See, I, I don't know where that leap comes from. Why, why, why should I think that? How do you catch up? What are you talking about? Like if, if, if James Madison plays in the fall and everybody else plays in the spring, then are you going to reconvene and play in the fall again? Yeah. You are? Yes. But then I, I just wonder... Because there's going to be a choice to not have football, then there's going to be a lot of schools that choose to not have football anymore. There's always a choice not to have football. No, I, under, I understand. But I just think that it, if this was to cause Montana and Montana State 
to move away from the Big Sky Conference. James Masson, they could land somewhere else. They also have a high enough budget that they could play independently for several years. North Dakota State would be a – I mean, say a couple teams in the Mountain West can't hang. Who's the first team the Mountain West is going to go and invite? North Dakota State. Certainly. Where does Montana, Montana State go, though? That's where they've been stuck forever. And this was, this was the biggest argument last decade when Jim O'Day was still the athletic director at Montana – when Montana and Montana State were both exploring going to the WAC before then the WAC dissolved and the Mountain West rose to prominence. And in retrospect, it was the right choice because Montana Montana State would have, would have been out to dry like Idaho. That's the worst case scenario you can be in is what Idaho was in, where the league that you join with regional rivals goes away and you're not invited to come to the next party. So you got to go play Troy and Alcorn <laughs> State and all these. Yeah. I mean, it's stupid. You, why, you, it, it, and that's, what I, that's, that's worst case scenario here, I think. Sure. But it's it's something that I certainly worry about. I just think that the I think that the Big Sky Conference. This is an unpopular opinion around here. I think the Big Sky Conference would be better suited to to wait till the spring. Uh, I'm not saying I disagree with any of that, but if you're talking about the dissolution of the entire league, I think that that is putting the cart ahead of the horse. Like we've already talked about that, the Big Sky Conference is has too many teams in it as it is. It's true. So who are the schools that would continue to comprise the Big Sky Conference if it was to recon, you know, if it was to come back reconfigured? Well, we can name them, right? It would probably be Montana, Montana State, Weber State, Eastern Washington, Idaho, Idaho, Idaho State, whatever. Like that group of schools would be the ones who would carry the day as far as you know the conference is still concerned and you might come back even better for it and have an actual conference that made sense when you're talking about a football schedule or whatever now how would that affect other sports basketball and so forth where not all the teams that are playing football are playing basketball and vice versa you know i don't know but that's already an asymmetry that exists within the conference anyway what the what the conference amounts to when we come out the other side of this is just not something that i, I it makes sense to me to start even thinking about because we don't even know what 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 tomorrow is for these schools. Yeah, I mean, the other factor that we haven't really touched on whatsoever is also the factor of just the student body on campus. Mm. That's that's the whole thing that's going to be... It's going to be the thing that gives schools a, an opportunity and an out to not invest in football as much. It's Tutel Nuanas, 1029 ESPN Radio. We'll take a break. On the other side, a huge technological advancement on this show, texting. That's right. Hold on to your hats. Hey, the Silver Slipper is open, and they are open again for sit-down service. They've made some changes to make sure everyone stays safe and healthy. Their patio is open. Enjoy this beautiful weather outside and get to the Silver Slipper. They're also doing weekly giveaways to local golf courses, so stop in and ask your bartender how you can win. Things are changing all the time. So like the Silver Slipper on Facebook for the most up-to-the-minute information. They have the friendliest staff in town, no matter what's going on in the world. So get to the Silver Slipper, where it's all about great food, tasty beverages, and their urge to have a good time. They're across the street from Super Walmart on Brookstown on the south end of the city of Missoula. Visit thesilverslipperlounge.com for more info and stop by today to see why the Silver Slipper is one of Montana's best-kept secrets. 
Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now if you visit msubookstore.org. Free regalia. When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org.